Hi everybody! You're listening to the recording of EOL's Professional Development Learning Series, held on June 9th. In today's session, James Bonilla shares resources and tips when teaching online to different age groups. If you prefer to watch the video, go to eoltechnologies.com events and if you enjoyed the session and want to join us live on our next one and guarantee your certificate of attendance, register on the same link, eoltechnologies.com events. Enjoy! All right, everyone. Hello. Good afternoon. Thank you for joining. Okay, I think we I'll get started with my messages because you know that I always have a couple messages at the beginning. Uh, I'm going to be muting everyone. Uh, we are going to so we're going to start in a few minutes. I'm just have a couple uh, introduction notes. Uh, so this, as you know by now, is our monthly webinar. Every month we just bring uh, a different speaker, a different theme that you tell us that you're interested in learning more. Um, so we, please always uh, send us, send me a note, send me an email about other topics that you're interested in learning more. We, we, we do this for you. So whatever, you know, the topics that you're interested, we love to learn. And that's what we're going to try to always be bringing for you. Uh, so you, by now you probably know if this is not your first time who Everybody Loves Languages is. We are a Canadian ad tech company and we are on a mission to build a multilingual world, combining great technology with great methodology for, like, uh, for learning languages. So uh, this is a little bit about us. Uh, you can take a look on our website to learn a little bit more about us, us as well. If your institution is searching for a program for an LMS, it will be happy to chat and to uh, explain a little bit more about us. Without further ado, today I'm really excited to have here our Director of Pedagogy for LATAM, James Bonilla. He is a dedicated uh, professor and he's been, he, it's, uh, his career goes for more than 27 years of experience with schools, with uh, uh, universities. He has a lot of teaching degrees, uh, a lot of like uh, TEFL, TESOL certifications, and I'm sure he's going to uh, share a little bit about more about his history and uh, his uh, career with you. And today he's going to be speaking about teaching to different age groups online, which is one of the main topics that we've heard that you wanted to, to hear a little bit more. So James, Welcome, thank you for being here with us, and we look forward to your presentation, to your presentation. Thank you, Natalia, for that kind presentation. Um, well, today we're going to be talking about teaching to different age groups online. And one thing that I have to mention that is important for all teachers to remember is that when we teach, since we're doing it from home, some of us are parents. And as you may have noticed, a little toy airplane just appeared on the screen. So it's been introduced. That means that's because I have a four-year-old and I have a two-year-old. And one of the things that I like to mention in these webinars is that you as teachers, many of you are parents, and this may happen. Don't let it become a source of, uh, I don't know, distress or make you, I mean, change your attitude or make you stress out. Always say this to your students when you have new students or you meet new groups, because we're all working from home. And this is part you know, of a normal everyday life, okay? So that being said, let's get down to business and let me open the presentation here. All right, so as Natalia said on her very nice introduction, thank you, Natalia, we'll be talking about teaching to different age groups online, but more importantly, how to engage different you know, age groups online. I think that that would be like the main topic here. And the first thing that we need to understand is that, especially in this you know, globalized context, we're going to be teaching anywhere from toddlers to adults, older people, younger people, conservative people, you know what I mean, more liberal people. We need to take into consideration also, you know what I mean, cultural backgrounds, uh, pluricultural factors. And more importantly, take into account, you know, the, the, the mental state that a lot of our students are going through an emotional state due to this, I mean, COVID situation where everybody's locked up and cooked up, you know, in their houses and whatnot, which makes it most important to always have a nice attitude, to have passion for this, to always project a lot of energy and enjoy what you're doing, in, in, independent of what age group you're working with. Well, let's get started with the most interesting one. And, and this is one I love because I have my, my, my kids with me. And it's preschool kids. Now, if you have young children, or if you have um, ever taught, you know, in preschool, 
you'll notice that the preschool kids are like the energizer bunny, you know, uh, no publicity intended here, just uh, a comment about this. I mean, and they, they just keep going and going and going and going. And it's like they have this limitless source of energy. And this applies whether you're teaching face-to-face -face or online. So what is important to do here with kids? Well, you need to make sure that whichever activities you do are fun and engaging activities. And you want to make them uh, as close to reality as possible. In other words, children, what do children do? They play, they ask a lot of questions, they like to interact, they like to move around. I mean, they like to discover new things. They like to play, you know, with different things, colors, letters, etc. So you have to be very lively in your classes. I mean, not be afraid to use different sources or resources. Make sure that you include, you know, songs and games, you know, and, and, and that you explore these different web pages and resources that we have. Uh, make sure that you integrate activities that will include a lot of colors, a lot of numbers, you know, things that will get kids engaged. Uh, let's get into TPR. I mean, don't be afraid to stand up and start singing with them, you know, start clapping. Why not bring in, you know, some props? Hi, my name is George Dog, and today we're talking about how to teach kids. Oh, hi, George. Nice to meet you. Mwah, big kiss. I mean, these type of things, you don't need to buy, you know, props. This is stuff that you have around if you have children or in every household, you'll find all sorts of uh, tools, per se, that you can use to make, I mean, your, your classes more enjoyable. And one thing that I always, I mean, make an emphasis on, if you're going to teach preschool kids, don't be afraid not to be too serious or even to make fun of yourself or even to do silly things like, you know, put a silly hat on your head, you know, make funny faces like, oh my God, what's going on here? You know, oh, I'm so sad. Make sure that you use hand gestures. Make sure that you always project this energy, which is difficult for a guy like me because, I mean, if you look at me, I look like a grump. I mean, people that don't know me say, well, I would never let that guy teach my kids. He'll scare them to death. So, I mean, it's all inside of us. A lot of teachers tell me, well, I'm not good at that. And I ask them, well, do you have children? No. Do you have nephews? Yes. Do you have friends with children? Yes. How do you act when you're around these kids? So, I mean, don't be afraid. Have fun. And, and, and it's, it's a way of keeping yourself young. So, most importantly, most importantly, fun and engaging activities. Remember that preschool kids are not in a literacy age yet. So you don't want to go into things like, you know, reading and comprehension and writing and stuff like that. I mean, you want to emphasize on more hands-on activities. And, and you're saying to me, but how do you do that online? Well, I mean, there are resources for that. Now, what I've done is that I prepare a binder for you. If you don't know what a binder is, it's one of the many tools that we teachers have. So we don't go crazy looking for resources. And at the end of this presentation, Natalia is going to share the link to this binder uh, for you guys. So you don't have to take notes right now or copy anything and you can concentrate on the presentation, all right? Also, I can always add resources to this binder in real time if you need it or request it. So you'll have permanent access to this thing. If you want to learn more about binders, then just go to livebinders.com and you'll learn about this really cool, I mean, really, really cool tool. So I'm going to show you just some resources. One of my favorite ones is called English for Kids. And what do you find in English for Kids? You have lessons, worksheets, you have games for kids, tutorials, PowerPoints, presentations, you got flashcards, and you have all sorts of resources. And this is one of many pages that you can use, you know, for your online classes. Um, as I said before, uh, could you please mute your microphones? Uh, I hear somebody over there. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Another uh, cool resource page, which I like, is YouTube. And I, I actually have premium because I, I really hate all the publicity, you know, that comes on and all the advertising. That's up to you. I mean, if you want to have premium or not. But there's this really, really cool page, which is called Bounce Patrol, and you find a lot of kid songs. And how do I know that kids love it? Well, I have kids, you know, I have a four-year-old here and I have a two-year-old. And these things become extremely valuable uh, when you want to keep, keep, you know, kids entertained. So remember, we don't have to 
work hard, we have to work smart, you know, and take advantage of all the resources that we have at hand. Okay. Now then, going back to the presentation, let's move on to talk about young children. Um, and you're probably saying, well, what is the difference between preschool children and younger children, like um, elementary school or primary children? Well, at this point, you know, children become more inquisitive. They want to know why, how things work, uh, how things go. And, and they like to explore more. They like to cooperate. And they also love, you know, I mean, to uh, gather attention or, or, or catch people's attention. Okay. So that being said, one of the things that we need to make sure is that we want to encourage activities such as role play, not only to promote interaction because children love to interact, but children also love to fantasize. Um, I don't know about you guys, but when I was a child, I, I used to love to pretend, you know, that I was a pirate or that I was a pilot, you know, sort of like Calvin and Hobbes. And, and why not play with that fantasy world? Of course, being careful and making sure that we, whatever we use, you know, I mean, is age appropriate. Uh, we can even encourage them to use costumes. Um, kids love to dress up. And of course, always make sure that you coordinate these activities with the parents. Always make sure of that because, I mean, uh, there can be sensitivities uh, related to cultural aspects or, you know, idiosyncrasy or even religious aspects. So always make sure that you have a good and solid, you know, and, and, and active communication with the parents. Okay. All right. Now, another one of the activities that I love to play with young children, and this, this is actually pretty cool for, um, for uh, high school kids or teenagers and also adults is called Kahoot. Now, Kahoot is one of many games that you can play with children online because another thing that primary school students love or young children love is they love, they adore, yes, to have um, competition among themselves. So Kahoot is a really cool activity, which I'll demonstrate one Kahoot if we have time at the end. Uh, I'll just move along, but I'll show you right now pretty much what it looks like. So it's a place where you can actually go in and you can find Kahoot's that have already been generated, all sorts of quizzes, you know, and, and, and trivial games in which students will use, you know, their uh, smartphones or tablets to answer questions that will appear, you know, on the screen. And it's a really cool activity or you can create your own Kahoot's. That's one of the many resources that I have for you. Another resource that I love and that I will show you a little bit more in detail is called a web quest. Why? We need to promote at this stage, you know, of a uh, child's development, we need to promote a sense of independence and, and they love to explore. And like I said before, they love to do teamwork. So remember that classes should always be, especially at this stage, well, not so much at the preschool stage, but at this stage, student center. So we need them to become protagonists of their uh, own processes. And don't underestimate kids. They're super smart and they can handle these tools like you would not believe. Now, let's take a quick look at uh, these tools in particular. So Kahoot, as I said before, it's a page where you can join, open up a free account. Uh, normally what I do is I use my, my Google credentials or my Gmail credentials. I just you know, continue with Google, sign in, choose the account that I'm going to use, and wait for it, wait for it, and here it comes. So for you to learn more about Kahoot's, all you need to do is explore the page. If you need to find a specific Kahoot, go to the bottom of the page, click on Discover Kahoot's, and let's say that you want to do a Kahoot with children related to endangered species. Then, and voila. You have a whole bunch of cahoots, and these are these are really cool activities, especially if you're a teacher that teaches, you know, with the CLIL or content uh, content language integrated learning. In other words, if you include, you know, science or math, or if you're a primary school teacher, you'll find, you know, a plethora of activities here to do. And like I said, if we have time at the end, I will do a demonstration. Okay. Now, let's take a look at another cool resource which I really like 
which is called the WebQuest. Now, why do I love the WebQuest? These are cool activities, and let me point out that these are not to be done during class. These are activities that we're going to assign the students, right? And these are actually appropriate for all ages from maybe I would say third grade and up, okay? In other words, the school, uh, students that already have, you know, a level of literacy, that have some sort of like uh, research skills and so on and so after. So basically you have to be very assertive about this. What do you do here? You simply go to find web quests. You go to search the, um, the quest garden database. Sorry, I clicked on the wrong place, sorry. Okay, it's not giving me access right now because this is an image. And when you search the Quest Garden database, all you need to do, yes, all you need to do is click in or type in the topic that you're looking for and you'll find the web quest. Now, what's cool about the web quest is that it's going to have a task already explained for you. It's going to have, you know, a process uh, worked out for you. So. Feel free to explore it and play with it because you're really going to love these things. Let me see if I can access it through here, okay? So once you get to the Quest Garden search uh, page, let's say that we're going to do one on countries. And then what you're gonna find is you're gonna get access to different pages and in each one of these pages, this is page one and in this page you have about 20 different web quests, okay? And if you look over here, right? You can actually, I mean, filter it to content in areas. So if we're talking about elementary school, then I'll be looking for this, you know. I mean, elementary school from third grade to fifth grade. And when you open the web quest, you're gonna have an introduction, a task, like I mentioned that to you, a process, and it, it also comes with all the resources integrated, all the web pages, and these pages have been screened to be age appropriate. You're going to have uh, an evaluation rubric. So everything is pretty much done for you. So explore this tool. It's super cool. Kids love this thing. Believe me, I know I've been doing this, like Natalia said, for 27 years. I've taught everything from primary to, to high school. I've been a college professor. And these are things that I have used myself. And they are proven to be valuable. And they work very well. All right. Move on to our next group. Okay, sorry, I opened up the wrong tab. There we go. All right, so recapitulating, remember, with elementary school kids, what is important is to promote that sense of discovery, that, that sense of uh, curiosity, also the role play. Um, capitalize on, on, on kids' capacity to fantasize, so to speak, uh, to be able to create these worlds in their heads. And what you will find at the end is you're gonna have more engaged students because we need to understand that kids nowadays, you know, with, with this era of communications where we have cell phones and we have, you know, internet and we have Netflix and we have this and we have that, need to be engaged in a much different way, especially online, than the way we used to do it, you know, in the traditional way. Uh, we cannot teach analog classes to digital kids if you catch my drift. So you need to really take advantage of all of these tools. Of course, always make sure that whatever resources you use are age appropriate, have been screened properly, and always explore them yourself just so you don't get any nasty surprises, you know, any weird links coming in or, I mean, uh, you basically have to be very assertive. And whenever you want to try new activities, uh, always check with the parents just in case. OK, all right. So. Another thing that you need to know about primary school students is that it's very important, very important to set rules. And help them participate in the setting of these rules, and that will save you a lot of headaches and it will help you, you know, in managing your stress and, and, and believe me, your your classes will become much more enjoyable. So some rules that I like to always make emphasis on when I work on, you know, with, sorry, primary school children is to sign in on time, to make sure that they have a quiet place to study, listen attentively, to always look at the screen, you know. I prefer to have them, you know, turn the screen on, 
so I can interact with them and I can read their body language. And also, just like in a real classroom, to raise their hand, they can do that with the click of a button, yes, on Zoom or any of the other platforms. One important thing that you need to, to look into is how are you going to reward your students? And you tell me what? Well, in a real class environment, when you teach primary, it's very important that you focus on positive reinforcement. I mean, you can give feedback to primary school kids, but you got to be very careful um, not to be too harsh or not to be too demanding. Always focus on the positive aspects and then the other stuff, you know, try to present it as opportunities, you know, to, um, to improve. So make sure that your feedback is supportive and is very assertive. And there are certain web pages uh, that you can access where you can find, you know, different tools to provide, uh, you know, I mean, rewards online, like, like throw a little star at the kid or a good, good job. And uh, Pinterest has, has a lot of tools like that. And I think I added one of those to, to the binder. If not, I'll add it, you know, after this presentation. Finally, your body language is very important. Look at the teacher in the illustration. He smiles, you know, he shows like this really relaxed attitude. And yes, we're human beings. I'm married with children. Sometimes, you know, I may be upset about something my kids did, or sometimes, you know, maybe I had an argument with my wife. Maybe my mom got sick. We're human beings, but we cannot bring that energy into the virtual classroom because it's fundamental that we express, you know, all this, this very positive energy that we always have a smile in our faces, that we're very professional because kids are very sensitive and they're very assertive regarding this. Um, read into something called the Pygmalion effect. If not, you know, I'll add it to the binder as well because no matter um, how much you try maybe to fake a situation, your attitude will always be projected no matter what. So find it inside yourself, like the movie Happy Gilmore, you know, find your happy place and so on and so after. I know many academics are looking at me and saying like, huh? what is this guy talking about? Believe me, there is a very strong, I mean, fundamental theory to everything that I'm saying here. All righty, let's talk about teenagers. Well, teenagers are, I would say, very complex. And why are teenagers complex? Well, because teenagers are beginning to develop a sense of identity. Uh, some become, you know, I mean, a little bit shy. Some are too, I don't know, they want to show themselves so much. They want to be the protagonist, extroverted, introverted. Um, they are becoming more rebellious. So with teenagers, I would say that the most important thing is to get to know them as individuals, get to know their interests, get to know what they like. I mean, get to understand and don't be critical about, you know, their hairstyle or the way they look or whatnot. That's for the parents to do. And even so, do understand that they go in through a difficult stage. So what is important with teenagers? Create a connection with them. And by creating a connection, I'm not saying that you're going to become friends with your students because we know that's a no-no, but you have to be friendly. You have to be sensitive to their needs. You have to be sensitive to how they feel. Excuse me. Oh, another tip. Always keep plenty of water, you know, by when you're teaching online because you will get dehydrated very fast. So by creating that, uh, I would say that link, you're also able to create, you know, rapport. And this will really help you. And in all their teachers tell me sometimes, well, I don't need them to like me. Uh, yes, you do. Because if they don't like you, they will not work with you. Okay. You cannot impose authority on, on, on teenagers the way we used to, especially when you're working online. So it's very important that we capitalize on, on all of these, you know, I mean, things that, or tools or media that, that they're really into. Uh, this one is called, I wrote it around here because I'm not too good on these things. This is called Snapchat. And this is really cool. I mean, if you want them to do presentations, be creative, um, ask them, ask them what they like to do. I, I have an, an anecdote. I used to be an English literature teacher at an international school in Colombia. And I had to teach Beowulf to 10th graders. I mean, really, Beowulf to 10th graders. How do you get them engaged? So what I decided to do was 
for the final project, aside from the essay that they had to turn in, I said, well, how many of you guys like architecture? And, you know, some raised their hands and I said, well, well, how about you guys, you know, create uh, a model of the meat hole where these guys met and explain to me, I mean, what this meant to them and then and make maybe a cross reference with how uh, our houses, you know, project the kind of image that we want to show in front of society. And students ask me, I mean, can I do it on this program? Yes. Can I do it, you know, with straw and uh, physical items? I say yes. And then I had students do a fashion show based on the values, you know, of the era. And then I have, you know, other students uh, recreating the weapons of the era and how these weapons were like the bling bling of the era and how, you know, it, it, it is a direct connection to how today, you know, people represent their identity and their status and this and that. So where am I going with this? Don't be afraid to think outside of the box. I mean, you need to understand that teenagers are harder to engage if you hit them with something plain and boring. But if you give them a creative freedom, so to speak, always controlled, of course, with a pedagogical goal in mind, and you capitalize on the tools that they use in their everyday life, then you're going to have classes that are more relatable. Remember that word, relatable. What does that mean? That they can relate to their own personal lives. So it makes sense to them why they are being taught these things, why these things are going to be practical, you know, for them. Um, another one that it's important is called Instagram. And because they, they, they love to post things, they love to uh, talk about their lives and this and that. So I'm not an expert in social media, so don't be afraid to ask them. I mean, communicate with your students. They have criteria. And also get them involved, you know, in the process um, of selecting the learning goals, uh, selecting some of the subject matter that you're going to work with. Find a balance. It's not about giving them full control, but, you know, take them into account and it'll make your life easier. And what you're going to get is students who are, you know, more engaged, who are turning on their cameras, who are interacting, who are becoming more active. Tap into maybe developing divergent thinking. And what is divergent thinking? It's different from creativity. It's what we call thinking outside of the box. If I were to ask you right now how many uses you can think of, unconventional uses for a paperclip, most adults, and you're probably thinking about it right now, and good, if you're thinking about it, that's what I want. And you're gonna say, well, I can think of maybe 10 different uses. You know, I can clean my nails, I can pick a lock. Now, some people are very good at divergent thinking, and they're considered geniuses, and they can come up with two or 300 different uses for a paperclip. Now, here's the thing. Studies have been carried out, linear studies with the same you know, age groups over 20 years, where they found that in a group of preschool students that were tested for divergent thinking, 98% were at the genius level. When they were retested five years later, you know, during the primary school stage, that was down to about 50%. Then in high school, that was down to about 30%. So somehow during the traditional education process, students lose the capacity for divergent thinking. In other words, to think of options outside of the box. And these are fundamental, fundamental skills for 21st century pedagogy. There are different tools that we can use, and I added them, you know, into the binder. And I would suggest that you guys read in or I mean just research and then watch some videos on divergent thinking because teenagers really get into it because teenagers once they let go of their imagination and you help them think outside of the box then you know I mean it becomes a lot more relatable the, the learning process teaching learning learn the general teen slang please um, I watched the teacher teaching you know I mean uh, and, and this is a true story uh, teenagers online, and he's like, oh, that's groovy, that's cool. And I was like, oh my God. And the students are looking at him like, groovy, cool. Um, I'm not saying that you have to speak like them, but if you're going to teach the medium some slang, make sure that they are age appropriate. So, I mean, they will find them somewhat interesting, okay? Don't be afraid to use the social media, as I explained before. I mean, there's a whole bunch of uh, tools that you can use and students love. I mean, since, like I said, teenagers are getting this stage of life where they are beginning to develop a sense of identity and they want to show to the world who they are. 
So yeah, I mean, use social media, don't be afraid. And what, you, what you're gonna get at the end is what you see in this last illustration. Students that are engaged, students that are smiling, students that will be actually looking forward to coming to your classes. Students that you don't have to kill yourself, you know, all the time saying, hey, turn off your phone. What are you doing? Are you playing? Are you this? Are you that? Because you won't have to force them anymore. And, and your class management will become much more effective and a lot more fun. Let me go to the binder very quickly to show you the resources that I left there. All right, so over here, I did have, you know, a page. Uh, as I mentioned before, on the primary school students, sorry if I lost track there, on, on different, uh, let's just say, tools that you can use for rewarding your primary uh, school students or that age group, okay? Then I left you some resources where you can explore, you know, activities for what I explained earlier for basically helping students not develop because they rehab it, rediscover and awaken, you know, divergent thinking, okay? And also, uh, I left you a really cool game, which I love to do with students, and I wish I had more time to demonstrate it, but I would, I would encourage you to try it out, and it's called the Impossible Quiz. And the thing with the Impossible Quiz is that you do need a high level of divergent thinking to understand this thing, okay? So, recommendation, explore it, and have some fun. Why not, right? Okay, cool. Now, let's pass on to adults. Now, what do we have to take into consideration with adults? Well, if you're a younger teacher in your 20s or you're 25 years old and you got to teach a group of high level executives who are, you know, all guys like me, 50 and over, it can be somewhat intimidating. Uh, but do remember that you are the teacher and you have, I mean, the know how. and I'm not saying be arrogant or be authoritative, but I'm just saying be confident in yourself. I mean, the reason why you're approaching this or you're being approached. We yeah, can... that, that, no, no, it wasn't my internet. I, I just found myself Thanks, talking. Scott. <laughs> no, 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 I just, got, I just got kicked out of the meeting and I guess the meeting just went into my phone for some weird reason. So guys, again, when this happens, what do you do? Do you panic? No, you simply cool-headed, reconnect and you keep going, right? And everybody's smiling, saying, did he do this on purpose? Actually, I did. I was <laughs> testing. No, I'm not. So James, when for some happened, reason, we don't see you and we don't see the presentation anymore, just so you know. All right, I'm trying to activate my camera here. Okay. Can you see me now? And yes, here you are. There we go. Excellent. <laughs> All right, so let's go back to the presentation. No harm, no foul. Now, what is the important thing to do in these cases? Keep a cool head. Keep your smile, do not panic. Like Natalia was saying when I jumped back in, I mean, this is Murphy's law. Does this ever happen to me? No, but Murphy came in, you know, and tested me. And what do you do? You keep a big smile on your face and you keep going. And then you have excellent team members uh, next to you that will try to keep everybody, you know, cool. Because everybody was like, what happened? Where did he go? And I'm back. So I was talking about adults, so I'm going to recapitulate on that. And what I was saying about adults is, I don't know which part or how far I got, was that number one, in case you didn't hear it first, don't try to create too much of a strong bond with them at first because they are a little bit more conservative and it takes a little bit more of tact. Also, be formal. I mean, be very formal, especially with older students. Uh, very respectful, the way you dress, you know, wear a shirt, don't wear a baseball cap, try look presentable, shave. I mean, these things may seem trivial, but Believe me, with adults, these things are very important, okay? Now, another thing with adults is that some of them may be anxious. Some of them may be studying English, not because they want to, but because they have to. A lot of them will have a natural, you know, phobia for English. And these are things that you're gonna have to deal with. And when they tell you, no, I suck at English, I ask them why? Well, I had these problems. And then explain to them that many a times what happens is they have had bad experiences in the past, negative experiences and that we're going to change that. Communicate with them, explain to them the process, work with them instead of working against them. Uh, don't go into arguments with adult students. You don't want to do that, okay? Uh, kitty gloves, okay? Be very careful. All right, that being said, 
Another thing with adult students and that a lot of teachers argue with me about is like, but the but, but, but notional functional approach? No, 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 communicative approach, you know, I mean, uh, the structures within the context. Yes, that's correct. We know we have to use communicative approach, focus to, I mean, 21st century skills, but a lot of these guys and girls and ladies are basically used to an approach where they need to see the structure, they need to see the grammar. And be believe me, I mean, no matter what your pedagogical philosophy is, and, and believe me, mine is totally opposite to notional functional approach. And first I, you know, I let them have what they want. And I told them, okay, okay, let's look at the structure and this and that. But then at one point when I create a report, what do I say to them? I said, what if I were to tell you that I have two ways to teach you how to hoop a basketball? The traditional way is I'm going to give you the formula, ready? You're going to stand about 15 feet away from the hoop. You're going to arc your arm in a 57 degree angle, and you're going to make sure that you launch the ball with 3.7 newton force, uh, 4.7, you know, I mean, feet per second, and make sure that the ball has at least 32 PSI so that when it bounces, it hits with 1.5 newtons of force in a 27 degree, you know, angle, and it goes into the hoop. You got it? Okay, now you have it for Here's the ball, throw the ball. What happened? You didn't make it in, but I gave you the formula. What if instead of that, I tell you, okay, throw the ball. Cool, okay, a little higher, a little lower. Okay, a little hotter, a little softer. And that's the difference between traditional and communicative approach. And that's an analogy that adults understand. And once you do that, believe me, then you bring him to the light side of the force. Sorry, I'm a you know, Star Wars fanatic, so I always make a reference to that. And then what you get is you get adults that will say, all right, I, yeah, I'm with you, I understand. So don't try to impose methodology on them. No, but you need to understand that according to David Noonan, they don't know who the hell David Noonan is. Many teachers don't even know who he is, right? So you need to be more pragmatic and you need to win them over, you know what I mean? Little by little, get to know their interests, get to know their family life. Um, always explain process thoroughly. With adults, you cannot, I mean, basically think that they already know, take for granted that they know everything. I mean, be very thorough, believe me, with adults and you will them over gradually. And make sure that you use age appropriate uh, material. I mean, with teenagers, I don't know. I mean, you're going to use uh, Justin Bieber songs. Uh, you don't want to use Justin Bieber songs with people like me, for example. You know, I get no idea. I would be more, I don't know, towards something like Frank Sinatra my way, whatever. So once you get, you know, your students, I mean, it's better and easier to, to understand what kind of material is appropriate for the subject matter. Okay. And very important, just like with teenagers, right? You don't want to say, yo, that's fresh. You know what I'm saying? That, that's sick, you know? They'll look at you like, huh? Again, idioms and expressions. Yeah, you can introduce some idioms and expressions that younger people use, but make sure that the language is also age appropriate. That way, you know, you don't have, you know, adult students you're frowning over you. Are you going to find, you know, cool older guys like me? Yes, of course. No, I'm just kidding. But you're going to find, you know, Colored people, more conservative people, get to know your students, adapt. Every student is different. And then also create that bond. But this will take more time with adult students. Once you create that bond and once you, I mean, um, your students feel comfortable with you and with the process, you will have much better results. I, do, I did leave some uh, resources for you as well, for adults on the binder. Uh, I would say my two favorite ones are EnglishClub.com. Why? Because we have formulas, we have grammar activities, we have pronunciation activities, we have uh, vocabulary, and we have more stuff towards, you know, the more traditional side of the force, so to speak. And you have English page, which is a little bit more interactive, but again, you got the verb tenses and you have all the grammar explanations and you have the timeline. Uh, a lot of the older students will remember, you know, the, the famous timeline which we used to draw, you know, on a board, which we hate it. And you have all the different activities and whatnot. So a lot of older students will appreciate, you know, I mean, working with this type of resources. All right, so one or some final, I would say, recommendations uh, for you ladies and gentlemen. 
would be active learning, preschool, primary, high school, adults. What does active learning mean? Your students need to be the protagonists of the process. They have to be active. And what does active mean? That means that more activities for them to do, more relatable activities, subject matter that is going to be interesting for them, that is going to be connected somehow, you know, to the reality of their lives. Chunk instruction. Uh, teachers love, for example, to present videos. Do not play a 15-minute video, for Christ's sake. They will be lost after 30 seconds. Uh, it takes me an hour and a half to go through a three-minute video. You have to make sure that you chunk, you know, the activities. Don't make them too long. Don't make them too short, but make sure that they're, they're varied, that they're digestible. I mean, how do you eat an elephant? I always ask people that. And people say, what do you mean? How do you eat an elephant? Yeah, yeah. If I put a big, you know, five-ton elephant on a plate in front of you, how do you eat him? Well, if I look at the whole elephant, it's overwhelming. But if I start with the tail, you know, and then I eat the toe, and then the other toe, then it becomes, you know, digestible in the sense that we need to chunk instruction. We need to make sure that we create interaction. We need to make sure that we take advantage of the technology. And as I said before, vary the activities, but always make sure that when you vary activities, the same way that I'm showing you here, you have a clear sequence, what we call a pedagogic sequence, all right? So that everything makes sense and the transition from one activity to the other is almost seamless. So everything flows. Otherwise, students will get lost in the process. And then what are we going to have? Happy students, happy teacher. So I don't find my job so stressful anymore. I want to sit in front of that computer. I want to do this. You know, I want to have fun. I want to enjoy myself. And manage your time. All right. Always make sure that you have a good balance between your time online with your students. But importantly, believe me, make time for your family. Make sure that if you're in the middle of one of these activities and your child comes asking for a hug from daddy, if that happens, with all due respect to everybody, I will say, excuse me, I will hug my kid, I will give him a kiss, and I will continue with my class. Keep a cool head. Internet crashes. Sometimes you will be disconnected from a presentation. Don't panic because you have to be professional. You have to keep a cool head. When this happened right now, I was like, oh, I'm talking to myself. Okay. And I actually thought that it was pretty cool because it was a good way to represent and show what happens. Students understand this. It happens to everybody. And respecting the time, as I said, I will keep this for 45 minutes, Natalia, and I think I did. It's time for the best part of this presentation, which is time for questions. And let me stop presenting here so I can interact with you guys and ladies. Excellent. Thank you, James. Everyone is really excited about all the resources that you shared. Uh, they already have access to the binder. Just a reminder, I will send this over email as well. So you have you will have access to all the content that and all the resources that James shared. So I see a few hands here raised. Uh, do you want to come up in the mic and, and ask the question? Maybe we can start with Marisa. Okay, um, thank you very much and thank you about the this presentation. I think it's really important. Um, my question is, um, when we have adults who are very tired, like after they work, after they have all its, their routines, and they decided to take the step and learn English maybe during at night, what what do you think is going to be like the best approach for them because uh, they are tired they are not they don't have like too much energy to to do activities or to they are uh, mentally I, I believe they are like they don't really uh, and I think they don't don't want to but they are physically not ready to do um, too much effort like what activities would you recommend in this case for them, they are interested in learning, but they have too many uh, responsibilities and things uh, during well, the day. You, you just described 99% of adult students. I mean, 99% of adult students are people that work, they come home tired, you know, they got to deal with the kids and they don't want to sit down and get hit with a brick. What do I mean with a brick? A boring class, all right? 
especially if you're into the traditional method that every three words they make a mistake and you go, no, 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 look at me. That's not, I mean, keep a nice attitude, find out their interests, find out what they like to talk about, adjust the subject matter to their personal interest. I have this uh, plastic surgeon, he loves to talk about history. So I do my research on history, and then we talk about, I mean, the Ottoman Empire, the Roman Empire, and economic history of the United States. And no matter what grammar or structure you're working with, you can always adapt it into that particular subject matter. Maybe they want to talk about the World Cup. Maybe, I mean, they want to talk about themselves, their family, whatever. So the keys do not stick, number one, to a routine. Because adults, we already have a routine bad enough as it is, you know, every day the same thing. So be creative. Uh, have them, you know, on this, um, like, oh my God, I have great expectations about this class. What is this crazy guy going to come up with? Um, don't be afraid to use jokes, you know. It's like, what are you reading? I'm reading great expectations. Saying, how was it? Not what I expected, you know what I mean? <laughs> Little stuff like that. <laughs> and and create an atmosphere that is relaxed, you know, and an old smile and, 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 and don't be too demanding. Don't hit them with too much, okay? Uh, you can basically gauge how much your students can process comfortably as you go through the process and also be realistic when it comes to setting up the goals that you want to present to your students. So you have to take all of these into consideration. So that's pretty much it. But I mean, it's not a fail, I mean, foolproof formula, but it pretty much works most of the time. Does that answer your okay. question? Thank you. Yes, thank you. Thank you very much. All right, awesome. Thank you, Marisa. Okay. Uh, Francisco, do you want to ask a question using the mic? Francisco Fernandez? We are experiencing technical problems. Uh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I had my, my Mac mute and I didn't notice. Uh, hi, can you hear me? Yes. Yeah, Francisco, I can hear you. What's up? Okay, well, thanks thanks a lot for all this information. I, I find all the things that you said very useful. So I'm going to apply some of the advices that you gave. So thanks a lot for that. And um, my question is, uh, how do you do or what advices do you have when you get a mixed group, say that you have like teenagers with adults or you have teenagers with children, which sometimes happens. Uh, what advices uh, can you give us in cases where you have mixed groups with uh, people from different ages? Salomonic approach. I mean, it's going to be impossible to make everyone happy. And that's the ultimate nightmare for teachers. And I know because I lived it many a times. So you got to find a balance point between what adults like and what teenagers like per se. I mean, you'll be surprised. My mom is 83 years old and she's active on Instagram and Facebook and you know WhatsApp. So uh, many times it's just getting to know your students, find out what they like, find out which activities. I mean, try everything, a little bit of everything and start taking note of what they enjoy. And then you'll start notice patterns, you know, beginning to show which activities, you know, the teenage and the adult students, you know, enjoy and respond best to. With uh, preschool kids and primary kids, again, same thing. It's very rare that you'll see that combination. Um, if you're a private teacher, I would recommend going against it because it's a lot more difficult. Why? Preschool kids are not at a, at a literacy level, while primary kids are, so it would be almost impossible to, to mix those groups. Primary and teenagers, also, you can combine elements such as competition, role play, different activities, uh, or you can use the older students as mentors or as monitors for the class to help the younger students. You'd be surprised how teenage students respond well to caring, you know, for the younger ones and helping them, you know, and, and that gives them also protagonism and they love that, a, a sense of being. So it's a matter, I don't have a like fail-proof formula for this, but get to know your group, be assertive, try and try and try, and then you'll find the formula. Does that help? Yeah, a lot. Thanks a lot. Awesome. Excellent. Thank you, Francisco. Uh, now, Adriana, do you want to uh, unmute yourself and ask your question? Adriana Baran. Can you hear me? Yes. Yep. Thank you for this chance. Um, so what is my question about? Um, I don't teach English. I teach Ukrainian and I teach uh, people of different age. And I often work uh, with uh, people who are older than me. <laughs> yeah, I'm 26 years old. And this is the situation where when I usually feel uh, not good. <laughs> 
Yeah, like I feel that I'm not good enough to teach those people with the, a lot of like life experience sitting in front of me. Maybe you have some ideas like how to manage this, how to overcome this. Well, first rule of thumb, Adriana, is that you're a teacher, you're a professional, have faith and have confidence in yourself. Now, if you're going to be my teacher, and I, I don't know what, um, I mean, how it is in the Ukraine, I would imagine it's very conservative and very traditional. Yes, it's going to be difficult, but the way that you earn the respect with these people is that, remember, you're not teaching them about the facts of life. Yes, they're more experienced than you. You're not teaching them economics. You're teaching them what you were being hired to teach. So the most important thing is like, I always say this, the prey and predator attitude. You know, like when you face a bear, what do you do? If you turn and run, then he'll run you down and eat you, right? So you need to control this fear and this insecurity and keep reminding yourself, you are the teacher. You're there for a reason. These people are coming to you because they need to learn from you. They need you as much as you need them. Why do you need them? Well, well, you need to work. Why do they need you? Because they need to learn. So create a situation of mutual respect. And I know this why, because when I started teaching, I was 24 years old and I had to deal with older people. I was terrified. I mean, and I, I had to deal with these high level executives. And when I walked into that you know, conference room and they looked at me like, uh, here comes Junior, you know, Yes. But how did I manage that? Basically empowering myself. And I kept telling myself, hey, do these guys speak English like I do? Nope. Do they have the knowledge in English that I have? Nope. Yes, they know about 99% else and they can kick my butt, you know, in any kind of a trivial or quiz or whatever. But I am the English teacher here and I'm not going to be arrogant. I'm not going to be authoritative, but I am going to be confident in myself and earn the respect. And that's my best suggestion to you. There's no magic trick to this. Uh, it's not, it has nothing to do with them, Adriana. It starts with you. And like you said, you don't feel good enough. Ask yourself, why don't you feel good enough? If you feel insecure, then seek training. And if not, keep reminding yourself, why am I teaching these people? Because I'm the one with the knowledge that they need. Cool? Thank you so much. Remember uh, about imposter syndrome that's very common and uh, a lot of people face that so definitely you're not alone and feeling insecure thank you for your question Dina. i want to ask now um forgive me if i'm not pronouncing your names correctly mahender gakula do you want to come on and ask your question in the mic thank you uh, natalia and you uh, actually pronounced my name quite right Mahender Gakula, yes, my name. Yeah, I'm, uh, uh, I'm joining from India. Uh, hi, everyone. Welcome. Uh, Hello. Big battle uh, fighting COVID. Uh, May was really worse. Uh, we're doing a little better uh, this month, thank God. Uh, but also, we're hearing about the next wave. Yeah, uh, thank you, James, for that uh, uh, prayer. Uh, that's kind of uh, every life here. Uh, uh, so, James, I'm um, just coming quickly to the question. Uh, Natalia has just touched those words, imposter syndrome and uh, insecurity. Actually, my question was along the same lines. Uh, in uh, uh, the difficulties with the uh, teenagers, well, in fact, I actually wanted to choose the term challenges with the teenagers, not the word difficult. Uh, so uh, what? Um, can you please share your experience on what helped with the teenagers, you know, uh, to uh, basically overcome their own insecurities or, you know, yeah, you know. Well, teenagers, rule of thumb number one is do not ever correct them too harshly in front of their peers. Do not be too uh, harsh on them. Do not be too hard on them. Focus on their positive aspects. Try to relate to what the real life is. Some of these kids may come from broken homes. Some of these kids may be suffering from, I don't know, I mean, they broke up with their girlfriend. They're not popular. They're trying to find themselves a sense of identity. So rule of thumb number one is don't be so critical because they have enough of that especially you know in in places like india i've been to india where you know we have very hard traditional values and parents are kind of hard on their kids i don't know if that has changed so the last thing they need is to find that you know in in the classroom of course you don't want to you don't want to go to the other extreme where parents are going to come and tell you hey you're creating a rebel here so again find a balance point my personal experience if you ask me um when i came to colombia and i had my first job teaching teenagers and i had to teach them literature 
and I couldn't get them to engage. One day I had this crazy idea, and when they arrived in the classroom, I had left a sign on the board that said, meet me in the backyard of the school. I was supposed to work the, uh, the Iroquois Constitution with them, which is like the first piece of uh, Native American literature that we know of. So when the kids show up to the back, I'm on top of a tree wearing, you know, a feather pinnacle, and I got war paint on, and I, start, I greeted them by saying, I am the Kanahiwa, and this is the three of the four nations, the Navajo, the Iroquois, the Comanche, the Blackfoot. I welcome my brothers from the different tribes. Comanches, where are you? And some kids were like, yeah, here, climb with me, let's talk. And that changed the entire, I mean, everybody at school thought I was crazy, but the kids loved it. So always think outside of the box. The last thing they want is to go and sit in a classroom or sit in front of a computer for hours and hours. That's, I mean, it, it's hard. It's hard even for you guys to sit here and listen for me for an hour. I mean, think about it. So with teenagers, what you need to do is make fun activities, but that are always focused towards the pedagogical goal that you have to the objective. I'm not saying make it all fun in games, but there are different roads to get to Rome. Why not choose the one with the nice scenery? Why don't choose the one that is really cool? And let me tell you something about people. The more you enjoy process, the more you learn. What do you remember from school? Do you remember, I mean, the lecture on colonial times during, you know, Britain's uh, domination of India? Or do you remember when they took you out to the field and you had to collect uh, different rock samples and catalog them and get dirty, you know, and, and actually get active? And I'm asking you that question right now. And I would imagine that you remember the second one. So. Think yeah, about this when you work with kids. There you go. So that's that's my answer to you. But then again, there are certain, uh, I would say, cultural aspects that need to be taken in, into consideration. So my advice is also be aware not to go too much, you know, in contrast of the traditional values, because you don't want to get parents to hate you either. But you you get what I'm coming from, right? So you know where you live and you know how far you can go. Does that help? Absolutely great. Yeah. Thank you, James. Fantastic. Thanks My for pleasure. demonstrating with that, uh, the, the, the whole dramatic, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, thing you've put up. I loved it. Awesome. My pleasure. Thank you for your question. Well, before we go to, we move to our, our final question, I want to be mindful of everyone's time. Thank you, everyone who, who was already joining us a few minutes after that's the hour. I just want to invite you to all to join our next webinar uh, coming up on July 15. Uh, you can register already today. It's, it will be about cultivating motivation for diverse language learners with two Spanish teachers. Uh, they are they are great. It was going to be a very dynamic presentation. I think you all are going to really enjoy this. Uh, make sure that you fill up, fill up the form to receive your certificate of attendance. And for whoever wants to stay here, and I think, James, if you're comfortable, we can stay here a few more minutes, answer a couple more questions. Not a problem. Uh, excellent. So whoever uh, wants to uh, and is able to stay with us, please, you're, you're welcome to stay. I'll also send a recording with uh, the final questions for those who have to join other meetings or have to join a class now. But I would just want to thank everyone for joining today. So I'd like to invite uh, Zilan, Zilan to ask your question on the, on the mic. Uh, hello, everybody. I'm Dia from Lebanon. Uh, I just wanted to share some of my experience as a teacher, as an ESP and teacher methodology instructor. Uh, we notice, uh, first of all, uh, we usually uh, try to tell students that we're there to share knowledge, not to, just to teach them, whatever age. I usually work with teenagers as well as adults. Um, so I usually try, for example, concerning ESP, let's, let's say a nursing class. Uh, for example, let's say last year was completely different from, from this year. Although last year we taught online and this year we also taught online, uh, but uh, it was completely different because this depends on the class itself. The, the students themselves teach us sometimes what activities we need to, to use and uh, the way we, we want them to learn, whatever, not, not only in languages. Uh, so, Sometimes we notice they, they love, we, we usually try to, to teach them through games, for example, uh, by sharing our own experiences as teens, for example, and they try to share their own experiences. So 
it is it is very important to understand people psychologically first so that we can we can motivate them or get them to, to to love whatever we are doing thanks a lot and thank you for that i totally agree and and that's what uh i was making emphasis on when you need to learn your students and then what moves them and then not only psychologically but emotionally because people are moved by emotion remember that Yes, exactly. Thanks a lot, sir. Awesome. Thank you for that as well. Okay. Not everybody at once, please. <laughs> All right. Anyone else would like to ask a question? Unmute yourself. Yeah, I am here. I can't ask before. So uh, I was wondering the students who are antisocial and who, are, have, who hasn't uh, confident to be to join the class activities and to uh, ask questions to the teacher. So how how we can make them social to uh, make them to make collaboration within the uh, classroom? Well, rule number one is to get out of our heads uh, words like antisocial and I go back to Pygmalion effect. So. If I label in my head that the student is something, that's what he's going to be, believe me. Uh, so read about Pygmalion Effect, that's fantastic uh, material. Two, you can't really force them. Some people are like that by, na by nature. I mean, some people are extremely introverted. Uh, there may be some sort of like psychological background uh, there. Uh, they might just simply be insecure. So what is the key? I had a student like that once and I, I could not figure out what, what was going on. And then I, I noticed that he was really into video games. So I approached him one on one once, I mean, after speaking to the parents and we started talking about video games and I told him about my history with video games, my prehistoric history with video games and this and that. And I started creating that report and I actually asked him how he felt, I mean, why it was so difficult for him to communicate with the class. And then I started integrating uh, topics into the class that he felt confident with, that he was, uh, let's say, an expert on. Or, or he felt that he was, you know, the big fish in the pond. So once you find like that niche that they feel comfortable with, that, that, that they really love, that they're really into, no matter how introverted a person may be, they always love to talk. Every single human being loves to talk about what they like, what they enjoy, or what they're good at. So as again, it's not a foolproof uh, technique, but the recommendation is approach them individually, get to know them, Find out, you know, what they're really into, and they integrate that into the class very subtly, of course. But most importantly, never, ever, ever try to force them into interacting because they, they'll simply, you know, just create another shell and close up even more. So gently win them over. And then if you can't, I mean, you can't always win them all over. You're, you're always going to have that one that, that you cannot reach, but you can try. Yeah, thank you so much. My pleasure. Thanks for contribution. My pleasure. Thank you for your question. All right. I think we're going to go to our last question. Final question from uh, Ka Asta Akebat. If you would like to unmute yourself and ask your question. Um, I teach primary two and I have a problem with uh, some uh, disruptive student in a virtual classroom. You. Uh, you talked about um, positive reinforcement. Uh, it means that we need to um, focus on what students do right. But what happens if uh, some students do bad things in classroom? Can we um, give like consequence for them or how do you deal with that? Well, I mean, if you're working at a school, evidently you have rules that are set for these situations. But my recommendation is uh, don't throw the book at a student because you're only going to make the situation worse. What I would try with disruptive students, number one, for me, they're not disruptive students. They're students that probably are not getting enough attention at home or that they're simply crying out to be noticed or crying out to be seen. 99% uh, of the time, students that we consider disruptive are just students that need a certain level of protagonism. So what do they turn them into? What we colloquially, well, don't ever use this expression, but that's what we used to call it before. We make them into the teacher's pet. In other words, I make them into some sort of teacher's assistant. I give them some sort of uh, important role in the classroom, helping me with other students, helping me with some organizational skills, helping me organizing activities. And 
99% of the time, when you approach students uh, in that matter, more than just simply, you know, bad boy, bad boy, bad boy, find out what's going on. I mean, what's going on with this kid? Why is he so eager uh, to get attention from me? Because that's basically what they're doing. And, and why are they so eager to get attention from the other students? It, it's not their nature. I mean, there's something going on. So try to give them a role that gives them importance without undermining the other students' role, of course. I mean, we don't want to send the message that you are rewarding these students for being disruptive. What we want to send the message is that we're going to capitalize on, on students' enthusiasm, if you may. And you may want to do it with another couple of students, you know, create monitor groups, et cetera. And that's also a great technique because in most groups, you're going to have the weak students, the students that are right, I mean, where they're supposed to be, and then you have the higher level students. And then you scratch your head saying, what do I do? I mean, if I go too fast, you know, the slow students will be behind. If I go too slow, so how do you solve that? Well, normally you'll notice that these disruptive students are very bright and are, are very good academically. Most of the time, that's what happens. So capitalize on the situation and turn the problem into an asset for you. Wow, well, thank you for, yeah. <laughs> okay, thank my you. pleasure. All right, cool. Well, thank you so much, James, for sharing all your knowledge and experience with everyone today. Uh, we already received tons of great feedback. Everyone loved and they appreciate you sharing all the information and especially the resources. Uh, so don't worry, I'll send to everyone via email as well the link to the binder. Thank you for joining us. Please uh, register uh, for our next webinar next month. Share with a teacher, share with a colleague that you think will also be a beneficiary who also liked this session. And I'm looking forward to seeing you all next month. Thank you and have a great rest of your day all. And everybody, please stay safe. Blessings to all. Take care. <laughs>